Hey! Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we look ahead to the offseason for the Winnipeg Jets. What are their top priorities? What bold moves could they maybe make? We'll talk about that with Ken Weeb of Sportsnet.ca. We will also chat with David Klanikin. He is the commissioner of the Canadian Premier League, who will be starting their season in a bubble in Winnipeg in just over two weeks. That's all coming up on the podcast. The uh, Winnipeg Jets season ended abruptly on Monday. We heard from 15 different players yesterday uh, as their year-end media interviews were held, and we'll hear from the coach and GM tomorrow. As we look ahead to the future, we welcome in Sportsnet.ca's Ken Weeb to the show. Ken, how are you doing tonight? Good evening, Christian. I'm fantastic, thank you. After nearly 13,000 words of transcription yesterday, uh, fortunately the quote loop uh, had it divided nicely, so it wasn't a crazy amount, but a lot of words to sift through, that's for sure. Yeah, just a, this might be a little inside baseball, but in, a, in the yeah. post-game at home games, uh, most of you are uh, of the written word up in the press box, and yeah. you are all uh, sharing who is transcribing what, and I'm just sitting over there just recording audio because all i gotta do is worry about recording audio it's great yeah it is great for some that's for sure but uh, we have a we have a diligently working crew that uh, and again when it's all, all in zoom calls and everybody's getting the same thing it doesn't make sense for 20 people to transcribe 15 different people on their own so a uh, good little bit of teamwork on the media side there's no doubt about that absolutely so ken well, the season's over uh what was your i guess first your main takeaway from yesterday's uh year in media availabilities we again heard from 15 people what what stood out to you oh certainly some fireworks there christian as you heard <laughs> no doubt about that uh some interesting words said a lot of belief in the core uh connor hellebuck uh, you know stealing the show i think and he i guess he stole the undercard with his dynastic uh, comments uh mark shifley obviously drawing the most attention but uh overall the core core uh, core group believing in what they have and believing they're not necessarily as far away as some jets fans may feel after a four game sweep and let's face it we should remember people aren't going to go out and trash the coach they're not going to go out and trash the team that's not what's going to happen with these uh availabilities because uh, i mean that's just not how it works no, but I mean it also too. I think there were a lot of genuine comments being uh, being thrown out there for sure, and I mean I don't think you can diminish uh, the value of Mark Shifley saying he has full support in Paul Maurice, especially considering what happened on Hockey Night in Canada against the Toronto Maple Leafs, where he was benched for the first time. I mean, second time, I guess he had one period against Nashville, but these were certainly different circumstances under a pretty big spotlight. So. Uh, I don't think you can discount the words of Mark Shifley when it comes to Paul Maurice. Uh, sure, I mean, does every player on the roster love how they were handled? Of course not, but that that's sports. That doesn't mean a, a coach has lost the room or that we would feed any of the narratives that are out there. Do some changes need to be made? Sure. I mean, deployment is something that will always be debated no matter who's in charge. And, uh, I mean, Paul Maurice, uh, I mean, he's not on the hot seat. He'll be returning to the Winnipeg Jets, but... Uh, for him to continue being the second longest tenured head coach in the National Hockey League, the Jets will need to show improvement, and and part of that is coaching, right? Part coaching uh, is responsibility. Uh, you know that's part of the responsibility. Same with the GM. The GM's job is to bring in uh, an upgrade for the roster, and the players' job is to execute better than they did against the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, I would say there is an equal amount of heat on uh, all three of those sources as we head into what should be an intriguing off season. 
So let's start with the coach. I wouldn't say it's cup or bust because in the NHL, random things happen in the playoffs that are are tough to to see coming sometimes. But uh, for this team, what do you think needs to to be different in terms of deployment as far as you're concerned for people to maybe take a little bit of the heat? And when I say people, I mean fans, the heat off of the coach. Sure. I mean, I think that, you know, the Jets uh, were were a good team this year. They had some struggles down the stretch. That, That was abundantly clear. Uh, I think Nikolai Ehlers took another very important step in his career and his development path. I think that Nikolai Ehlers, uh, you know, for all the debate about sweet spot for ice time and all of those matters, uh, I think that Paul Maurice is going to have to unleash uh, Nikolai Ehlers into a first-line role. Uh, Whether that that is on a line with Mark Scheifele and Blake Wheeler or on a line with Kyle Connor and Blake Wheeler, uh, that remains to be seen. But for me, I think Nikolai Ehlers will be the first-line winger with the Winnipeg Jets next year. And I think he must force himself onto the first power play unit. I think that would be uh, the first development that I would like to see. Uh, that's not a demotion for Blake Wheeler. Yes, sure, it may change some things, but not dramatically. He'll still be a first-line uh, power play guy. I think that Wheeler has shown some chemistry with Pierre-Luc Dubois, and in a year where Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to have to bounce back, I think putting him with Blake Wheeler would accomplish two big things. Two players who think the game similarly, two big, strong guys, and if you play those two together, it will allow you to play Ehlers more. I think we, we saw Blake Wheeler play some of his best hockey when he was playing in that 18-minute window after he came back uh, after the rib injury. So you can accomplish two things with one move right there. And, I mean, Paul Maurice is going to have to play his young defenseman a little bit more. I mean, right now, depending on what happens in the offseason, Billy Hanela needs to be in the lineup. Uh, Dylan Sandberg needs to be in the lineup and Logan Stanley would be a good candidate to be in the top six as well. I mean, those are three young guys. Would there be growing pains? Sure. But uh, unless the Jets have better options, those guys need to be playing. And I think that will be the other part of the deployment that that gets looked at. And also, I think David Gustafson has to be the fourth line center next year. Uh, I have no issue if Nate Thompson is brought back, but if that's the case, he can kill penalties ball being a fourth line winger. Do you think that part of the reason why Maurice was a little bit, uh, I guess, against playing younger players like Hanela was the fact that the season is so short and that you really the growing pains part of it is a little bit harder to swallow because the season is shorter? Well, I mean, look at this here, Christian. I mean, look at the Jets' start. They had an incredible start. They were at one point battling for first place. So, I mean, they, they were icing a roster that was good enough to be at that level. But, I mean, certainly there were some struggles down the stretch and only five games for really Hanela. Obviously, we'll have a ch- you know, We'll see what Kevin Chevaldeff has to say. One of the things on most people's minds was the significance of having the entry-level contract slide a year. I mean, that had to have been a consideration. Otherwise, I can't imagine we hadn't seen Hanel a little bit more. Uh, but we'll see what Kevin Chevaldeff has to say about it. But uh, we know that. I mean, it's not like Paul Maurice has never played young players. Mark Scheifele played as a young player. I mean, yes, that was started out with Claude Noel. Kyle Connor, after his time in the American Hockey League. Was a, was a top six forward, so it's not like he's never played young players. So uh, I, I expect that Hanela will have a much bigger role next year and he'll find his way into the lineup. And how big an impact, whether he's on the second pairing or the third, will depend on what the offseason brings and, and how well he plays. But I expect Hanela to be a, a significant contributor to the Winnipeg Jets next year. Um, yeah, I mean, naturally, I understand. I mean, does it make sense for a player on a one-year contract, a pending UFA, to be given the same leash as someone who is going to be in the organization for five, six years. I can understand why fans would be frustrated by that, but uh, the coach's job is to ice the best lineup that he believes gives them the best chance to win. And 
Uh, and it's not like the Jets are the only team that don't play their kids as much, but I don't think it's a matter of not having faith in them over the long term. And I expect the, a lot of those young guys to still make an impact. And uh, I was on the call with Cole Perfetti today. I, I'm not here to tell you that he's guaranteed a spot in the fall, but uh, he made a pretty bold claim in saying he's not as far away as he thought he was uh, when he started the journey after being drafted. So he had a great year. Uh, I think that he can challenge for a roster spot, and then what he does with that will be up to him. So just looking at the work that Kevin Sheveldayoff has to do, and that's going to be such a big part of this offseason because he has a little more cap space to work with than we have seen in the last few years. Priority number one, obviously, is is the restricted free agents, and that is Neil Pionk mm-hmm. and uh, Andrew Kopp, who are both arbitration eligible. Uh, how much of a raise do we see for those two? Kopp made 2.28 this year. Pionk made $3 million. For sure. For me, uh, Andrew Kopp, obviously speaking quite uh, outwardly about his intention of wanting to stick around. Uh, I mean, he said he was leaving all options on the table when I asked him directly about a long-term deal. Uh, he made it very clear that uh, the going to arbitration will not impact his willingness or desire to stick around. Uh, I use Alex Iafalo as a as a template. Uh, four years at $16 million. It'll be somewhere in that range. Of course, Kopp's camp will ask for more if they can get it. Andre Burakovsky is another comparison. He's closer to 4.9. Does it meet in the middle? Is it closer to 4? That that I can't tell you. That I don't know yet. In terms of Pionk, I would be thinking that he's looking to double his salary if possible. Uh, could they get him at 5.5, depending on the term? Uh, for sure. I mean, it's somewhere in that 5.5 to $6 million or $6.25 million range. Uh, I would expect it to be similar to the deal that jo- or Josh Morrissey has signed, but depends on the years. So that's the other big unknown, Christian, the flat cap world, what that means in terms of players on how long that they want to commit to before maybe anticipating the cap will start going up in the next two to three years. Uh, that is sort of the big unknown and the, a great factor which could cause a lot of movement around the entire National Hockey League uh, this summer, both in terms of free agent signings and possible trades, because there will be some teams that felt the financial crunch this year that will be looking to unload salaries if they're in rebuilding mode. Uh, Logan Stanley, also an RFA. His raise will just be smaller than those two. For sure. Uh, UFAs on the blue line. You've got Jordy Ben, Derek Forbert, and Tucker Pullman. Uh, who will be back, in your opinion? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know that any of them will be back. I think Tucker Pullman has been a good fit and a, and a really good soldier here for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I could see him back in a you know potential third role, uh, third pairing role, but I don't see that as a you know a massive priority. I think he, obviously the coaching staff has faith in him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been on the top pairing for a good chunk of the year. But um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, because Tucker Pullman, after getting those higher minutes, I'm sure he's going to have some appeal with other teams around the league too, but it's close to home for him. He has some stability here. He has a lot of, you know, probably some positive memories, but I mean, that'll be an interesting one for sure. Uh, the other guys, I mean, Forbert had a great start to the year and a tough finish. So uh, he definitely was a, a value contract, but uh, I, I think that the Jets have to make room um, for those young guys I mentioned, and if they're looking for other defensemen with size, they'll be looking for an upgrade on Derek Forbert. But uh, like I said, I think although a lot of fans were frustrated by how it ended up for him, uh, I think that uh, he gave them some pretty valuable minutes early on in the year with Neil Pionk. But if Forbert would be back, it would be more as a third-pairing guy, a complimentary guy, rather than being a second-pairing guy. But uh, I'll be very curious to see how the defense is handled. I mean, I think it'll be the most fascinating part of the entire offseason for me. 
And up front, uh, let's not worry about Thompson, Lewis, and Toninato. Let's focus on the two names that uh, I think most fans would, and that's Stasny and Perot, the two UFAs up front. Stasny made $6.5 this year, Perot 4.125. Do you see either of those guys being back in a Jets uniform? Yeah, I mean, Matthew Perot, I'll start there, and I'll circle back to Stasny. I mean, Perot's uh, you know, done an excellent job with the Jets. He's a fan favorite. He works incredibly hard. Uh, got a lot accomplished over his years as his role evolved. He was a two-time, you know, 18-goal scorer. Uh, really the energizer bunny. He was the human booster cable. He could give it any charge, any any line of charge. But it, for the, for him to be back with the Jets, it would have to be at a drastically reduced rate. Um, I mean, you never want to read too much into these scenarios, but I mean, the fact that he wasn't made available yesterday uh, could that have meant something went sideways in the exit interviews? I mean, that, that might be a stretch, but I mean, if you're putting two and two together, it would not be an outrageous suggestion. So uh, I think Perot, they'll be interested in his services, but I think the Jets also have some young players that they need to make room for. Uh, if Perot is willing to come back on a reduced salary to play a third or fourth line role, I think they would be open to having him. But uh, I wouldn't say it's a certainty. And and you just never know. I mean, Matthew Perot has uh, done a great great job but he also had had some injury issues prior to this year so that's obviously a consideration but he's a guy that shouldn't have trouble finding work and in terms of Stastny I think he's you know he made it you know he spoke pretty openly about his enjoyment of Winnipeg but also I mean Paul's 35 years old he wants to chase the Stanley Cup there's going to be interest Uh, I don't think it'll be a Joe Thornton type of reduction for his salary but uh, what that number looks like is a two million is a three million I think it's a little bit too early to say uh, I think that he's a great insurance policy and he'd be a great mentor to play with Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think that he's a guy that could play second or third line minutes and move around the lineup comfortably, a uh, big part of the power play. And we know he's a guy who's not afraid to speak the truth. He's a, he's a, he's a good leader. Uh, he has the respect of his teammates. So I do think that Stastny is interested in being back, but it depends what the offers are, right? Supply and demand. He said it himself. He's an older player. He may not have as many options, but he'll have options with contenders because contenders will look at Paul Stastny and say, that's the kind of guy that can help put us over the top. So for me, I have a sneaky suspicion that he's definitely going to give Winnipeg consideration, but I also have a feeling the spidey senses are tingling when it comes to the Colorado Avalanche. You referenced it right off the top. If the Avalanche get bounced in the second round, I could see them looking at Paul Stastny at playing one of those important leadership roles on a team that has had some disappointment and wants to try to get over the hump. And for Stastny, there's some allure there too. Drafted by Colorado, started his career there, and also has ties to the University of Denver. So... To me, if I'm playing that game of connect the dots once again, I could see there be, being mutual interest, but I also think there's mutual interest between Stasty and the Jets. So then it comes down to potentially salary, and then, you know, what does the family think? So uh, I'll be very interested to see how that plays out. But, I mean, it, to me, it reminds me a lot of 2018. Stasty knows the Jets have some other priorities, but they know that they're going to circle back around to him as well, but he'll also have options to consider. Can't appreciate your time as always, and we'll uh, check in as we get closer to the Seattle draft. It's going to be a lot of fun over the next few weeks. Thanks for having me, Christian. Enjoy the rest of the show. A lot of soccer to talk about with Euro 2020s beginning tomorrow, the CPL season, just a couple weeks away. And where are they going to begin? Play in the Canadian Premier League here in Winnipeg in a bubble. As IG Field will play host to the first month of the season, all eight teams playing eight matches each including Winnipeg's own Valor FC opening its season on the 27th. 
Here to talk about the decision to hold the games in Winnipeg and explain why their plan is safe is the commissioner of the CPL, David Klanikin. David, thanks for hopping on tonight. How exciting is it that the, the season is almost here? Yeah, very excited. I mean, I think everyone, you know, fans, supporters, uh, owners, um, everyone is excited. But I think, you know, the players and the coaches are probably the most excited, which is great to see. So take us back to the the road to get to where we are now. Obviously, COVID is still a major factor in our country, and that's causing some issues for, for leagues that are domestic here in Canada only. So when did it become clear that you were going to need to start the season in one location? Well, really, when it when it when we got to the beginning of April, and and the and as opposed to what early surveys had said, you know, uh, just at the end of last year and the beginning of the year, that we would maybe come out of it as a country and be ready to come come through this. Um, I think a lot of people thought vaccines would come earlier, that type of thing. But but there was no doubt um, as we got into April and we started to go the other way. Uh, as a country, I think we 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 real we realized right away we're going to have to do something. We're going to have to kind of put our thinking caps on and be flexible, uh, be somewhat nimble and, and and a little more creative than even last year, and find out what we what we need to do. So we had about three or four different plans that we were working on. Uh, one of them involved, you know, was let's start the season somewhere. But we I had committed and we had committed as a league. That we would that we would put the full season in, so we're maniacally, you know, focused on that. Uh, so so then th- then we said, okay, w- w- what we'll do is we'll maybe look at replicating the bubble because hey, we learned it, we know it, we've got the playbook. Um, quite frankly, we we had we got great marks from it from really all constituencies that we dealt with. So that was good. We also had eleven different sites that wanted us to go once we put the feelers out yeah everyone was very interested because of our success last year including four international countries and uh actually five if you include spain uh uh, so five international countries and and six locations in five different provinces in in canada it wasn't it wasn't it was a hard choice but at the end of the day you know, to, to not do it in Canada would have been would would have been shameful. I, I think I, I, probably too strong of a word, but you know, for a league that you know touts itself as for Canadians by Canadians, you you better play in Canada if you have that that option available. So, so that's how we ended up in Winnipeg. The good news is, um, you know, uh, Manitoba government was fantastic to work with. The provincial guys were fantastic, as was the municipal government. They are very focused on people's health and and, uh, and their citizens, for sure. So that's good because the accountability is there. And they had seen what we had done last year. They knew what our protocols were. And uh, and so we were on the same – we were singing off the same song sheet when, when, when we actually got to safety protocol, health and safety protocols. So. And so then it just became – made total sense because we have a, we have a, 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 mar- we have a team in the, in the market. So, therefore, we've got a home team there. We've already got uh, fans and supporters there, and uh, you know, it just it just it was, uh, and, and you know, who's who's going to argue with uh, IG Field? Probably one of the best stadiums, if if not the best in Canada, one of the best in North America, in my opinion. So, looking at the facilities, that is that one of the reasons why you you made a I, I maybe call it an upgrade from the University of PEI to to Winnipeg here, a bigger market, a bigger city with more facilities. Well, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, we went to a bigger we went to a bigger city, right? So, 
that that, that means you just got to be that more diligent. You have to be that much more diligent, right? Um, but no, there's no doubt. I mean, it, it's 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 impossible to compare. You know what is you know again one of the finest facilities that I've been in in Canada for sure uh, to to somewhere that's uh, you know it's a, it's a stadium at a, at a university in, in Prince, Prince Edward Island. Don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking Prince Edward Island. They uh, they were phenomenal last year and they did such a great job with us. I mean, they themselves, I give them credit for teaching us how to be, you know, uh, you know, disciplined and uh, controlled and, 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 and making sure that we did everything the proper way. So they deserve as much credit for, uh, for us being able to do it again as anyone. So looking at making sure this event goes off safely and making sure that, you know, COVID doesn't get in, what are the health and safety protocols that teams have to follow before they get here and then once they get here? Yeah, so it's uh, it's uh, 14 days of uh, of quarantining in their home markets, where they have to restrict all their travel. They've been doing that. They can't can't do any of that stuff before they go. <clears throat> they get on when they get on the uh, so when they get on the planes, um, they're you know they, they they arrive. They have to be tested. They have to have PCR tests when they leave the market. <clears throat> they get tested again once they arrive, and then uh, and then again two days later. Uh, so they've, they've, they'll have had three tests immediately. And then from there on in, it's, uh, and of course they all have to be negative before they can even train with their own club once they, once they're in Winnipeg. And then, uh, and then while they're there, they'll be tested twice a week, uh, ongoing. And, and then of course they're, they're living in a bubble. So, so, and, and, and we're as a league encouraging all of our players, coaches, and everyone that'll be there to have, to have had at minimum their first vaccine. Now, I said encourage because uh, you, you can't you can't force people to do that. That's not that's not, that's not our way. So, but uh, but we're we're high. We we feel we'll be uh, well over eighty five percent by the time uh, by the time our, uh, we all land in, uh, in Winnipeg. So it should be great. And so you've got the the plan to play still a full season. You're just getting it started here in Manitoba as opposed to last yep. year where the entirety of the season was contained in the yep. Island Games. So yep. uh, how do you feel uh, on a scale, I guess, of 1 to 10 of optimism about getting to play in home markets with some fans in the stands this year? Yeah, so so I'll, I'll, I'll answer that as the second part because I want to also point out that even though we start on the 26th of June and finish on 24th of July, we left ourselves a little bit of wiggle room there. Again, that's part of that flexibility, right? Because we, we are counting, and, and this is why I want to say this first, because counting on the fact that we're going to be able to be, go back to our home markets, and in, in, in some of the markets, just not all of them, we'll be playing in front of uh, fans and supporters. And so if we're able to do that, um, you know, it's worth, it's worth flexing a little bit. And so, of course... Uh, the Valor, Valor FC has been has been very good about about uh, making that a, a potential uh, option for us. And then, and then I am very bullish on the fact that we're going to be back in markets and we're going to be playing on, in front of fans and supporters at one point this year. So again, the, the key things for us were let's get the full season on. We we owe that to the fans and supporters. We owe it to the business. We owe it to our players and coaches who who need to do that. And we very much. We may very much owe it to our partners and sponsors, and so all that, that that we've been very fixated there. We called that out from day one. That's the top of the mountain, and of course, coming with that was to allow our our fans and supporters, who's literally stuck with us for two years, 
uh, Christian, to, uh, to, to make sure that they, they get to be a part of the, part of the uh, uh, celebration as well. And really right around the time that you're going to be going back to those markets is going to be around the time the CFL plans to start its season, off in many of the same buildings with some of the same ownership. So there's hopefully some overlap, I guess, there, that if the CFL is good, then you guys will be good. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's exactly it. I mean, it's, uh, you know, uh, you know, I wish them all, all the luck, too, because that's great. I mean, you you know the way we are in Canada. We, we love our four seasons. We love our sports in those four seasons. We love being spectators at sports. We are we are a sport nation, and and you know, considering our size, we we uh, we've got a pretty loud voice, and uh, and and we also produce great athletes too. So you know, it's uh, I I think it's just what the doc, just what the doctor ordered, if I could say that, uh, would be to to, uh, to give us that that uh, that ability to be, be safe, but but the reprieve and the joy of of watching sport again because we all do enjoy it. Is there any contingency plan to extend the length of this kickoff in Winnipeg to add more games to it if need be? We so we we don't we haven't got the plan to do it at this point in time. Having said that, we will make sure that we are flexible. So if it if it means that we have to extend a little bit, we will. No, if we if we know that something's about to happen that will will change the way we would think about going back to home markets or whatever else, right? So. You just, you know, I've told everyone we will not be able to make, we won't make the decision to go, go play in our home markets and, and, and or whether there'll be fans and supporters in the stands, but we have to be ready and flexible so that when, when the government officials and the health officers say you're good to go and, and press the green button that we come out of the chute running. Right. And, uh, and we're ready for it. And so, our, our clubs, our owners have been fantastic about this, and they are they are all up for it. So, uh, kidnaps for better partners. Before I let you go, as a soccer guy, I feel obligated to ask you: With Euro twenty twenty starting tomorrow in twenty twenty one, do you have a team that you're rooting for? Well, you know, I was born in Scotland. I've been in Canada. I've been in Canada for fifty five years now, but but I was born in Scotland, so still have roots there. It's really great to see a team like Scotland finally get back into the Euros and. And hopefully, you know, going to start to make it back to the World Cup because we need nations like that to do well as well. So, so I, I hope they've always been a, a bit of a spoiler when they've in, in when I was younger growing up and uh, and they played. But so certainly, I, I like I like them. I, there's no doubt they're a massive underdog, but uh, but I'll still root for them. Sounds great, David. Appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for this, and good luck with everything here when you come to Winnipeg. Thanks very much, Christian. Take care. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. And thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all.